Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In Margarita with a Straw, Indian writer-director Shanali Bose portrays, beautifully portrays the story of a luminous Indian teenager with cerebral palsy who leaves her homeland to study in New York City. She falls in love with a blind woman and begins a journey of self-discovery and independence. Bose was inspired to write this humane story by her cousin's experience with cerebral palsy. It is a beautiful film, a truly moving portrait terrifically acted and we're so honored and fortunate to have with us today the writer and director Shanali Bose. Shanali, welcome to film school. Thank you. Delighted to be with you. You're welcome. Now I alluded to the inspiration of the story. Tell us a little bit more about how the story of Margarita with a straw came to be. So um, when I was just one I, and I grew up in India, so in India when I was one uh, my cousin, who's just who's my first cousin, and in India we're like a joint family, so I would say that's like my own sibling. She was born with acute cerebral palsy. Her name is Malini. So basically, for me, I grew up with it being something totally natural and part of my life that I, you know, had a sibling who had CP, and therefore having just to have to deal with that to do anything so when we were children it would be whether you know wherever you're going to overcome whatever obstacles so that the that person also can do the same things you are doing so for instance she would take swimming lessons and we would go to the pool and so all the things that needed to be taken care of for that to happen when we were teenagers we'd go dancing together i remember once at a discotheque the manager came and yelled at me because i had taken her off her wheelchair and she was using her crutches so that she could just dance by herself independently rather than me holding her. Mm. And um, he said, you know, that's dangerous and you you can't have that. And I had a huge fight there and almost shut the discotheque down because I was so militant. I was <laughs> just 16 years old. <laughs> but I made sure that she was not going to be discriminated against. So it's something I grew up with and I know inside out and really well. But at the same time, the one thing that I, I guess I, perhaps I didn't want to deal with because when we were teenagers, I was conscious that she was, way more romantic than me and I kind of you know didn't date at that time but it's something I put away because many many years passed I came to study in the US she went to England to study and I had turned 40 and she was 39 and I was visiting London and I was visiting with her and uh, we were out at a pub having a drink she always outdrank me this was <laughs> even when we were young in India always and the, the funny thing here is that you know, you go with a disabled person and you order a drink and you say, yeah, uh, put the whiskey soda in the plastic children's city cup with a straw and give me the lemonade. And the waiters will look at you. Are you crazy? Because you think, you know, this is the whole infantilization of the disabled. You yes. would assume that somebody disabled is not going to have alcohol. Right. And so this, this is why I called it Margarita with a straw, because it's not just that she orders that drink, because it just kind of captures that whole infantilization. So anyway, so she's out drinking me in the pub and I was like, Malini, what do you want to do for your 40th birthday? It's just the best birthday ever. And some, her speech is very garbled, but sometimes it comes out crystal clear. And this was one of those times and loud and clear. She said, I just want to have sex. And the whole pub heard that and everyone looked at us and, and I was really thrown by that. And I replied facetiously something like, oh, it's not as good as it's made out to be. And <laughs> we'll get you a vibrator. And later, I, I, I thought about this really deeply. And I was like, yes, oh, my God, this is 
something I know and I just kind of pressed it away because I didn't know what to do about it for my sister. And I was like, that, is, that, that must be so many people and their families, you know, trying to grapple with the sexuality of the disabled. And we've not seen this enough in cinema, barely seen it. You know, my left foot just kind of touched on it. So we really haven't explored it. Um, and I felt that I, I, I needed to explore this issue of the sexuality of the disabled so that we cease to look at them with eyes that they are not sexual beings because the disabled are never looked at as sexual beings. And I wanted to smash that. So that was the, you know, the genesis of, of why I wrote the story. Yeah, and, and I, without giving anything away about the film, uh, you certainly do. And you do it in a, in, a, in a way that feels very organic, not only just to the character. She is such a precocious... I have to tell you, from the moment we see uh, Layla on screen in, in the van uh, driving up to... Uh, to, I think they're going home, but whatever it is, she has such a beguiling presence to her, and it's immediately apparent uh, in the film. She is mm. very, what a wonderful presence uh, that she has in in this film. But her character seems, you know, it's a very, she's a very loving person. But again, in addition to the sexuality that you're talking about, she has the full range of emotions and reactions and interactions with people. Um, in this yeah, film. That was the whole intent that, you know, yeah. I just, and I chose to make her a teenager. Yeah. And my whole aim was in writing it that I want you to forget after 10 minutes that this person is disabled. Like you, you should, it's a coming of age film of a teenager who happens to be disabled. So, so that was the whole idea of making her totally three-dimensional, showing a gray side. Because what happens often with the disabled is that they're put on a pedestal and they're just so they're God's own creatures, you know, they're just um, pure and beautiful and so good. And then they overcome all odds and, you know, they do something amazing. And that's why I wanted to make her just ordinary. Like, it's not about that, oh, she's, she, you know, oh, she did the Olympics. Oh, oh, she, you know, did this. It was, you know, not that. It was just about, yeah, she just wants to, just, she's a horny teenager like any other teenager and she's exploring and finding herself. And I feel that was a success that you actually do get past that because that was the reception that people forgot, forget that and they get drawn into her and they're just with her because they come in feeling the discomfort that you feel like, you know, you're going to feel pity and you're just going to feel your heartstrings are going to be pulled in that direction that, oh, I'm able-bodied and oh my God. And, you know, yeah. and you just can't because we make her so gray. She's, you know, she manipulates her best friends. She's mean, like... You, you you can't pity her, you know? Yeah. And that was important for me, that you don't have any pity. Right. And and again, that is definitely the, it's written into the character, it's her portrayal, and it's also so important in this film is the support cast around her and and not only the more, the more high-profile parts, but everyone in this film uh, interacts with her in a way that is uh, just very truthful to the situation and to to the way that we in any film you have to establish sort of a, a frame of reference at, and for that character to operate within that frame of reference and everything about um margarita with a straw is is about that it, it it's so that did, and and i think those other characters are just equally important in establishing what you're talking about in this film Yes, I feel like the family, like, so it's a family and right. it's really like a family film. And that was something really, I would say, the core 
uh, her belonging to her middle class Indian family and how they all feel about her and how they are as people and that was very important writing those characters as well and creating that family fabric and I think people have related to that very strongly. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the writer and director of the film Margarita with a Straw and that is Shanali Bose. And she is going to be here in town uh, at the Arena Theater that's starting on May 20th, Friday, May 20th, for screenings on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as well, Shanali? So the, I'll do the Q&A on the Friday 7.40 p.m. show, which okay. is preceded by a reception at 7. Okay. And then on Saturday, the 4 p.m. show. Sunday, the 5.25 p.m. show. Of course, there are other shows, and it runs all week, not just the weekend. Right. But these are the three shows that there'll be a Q&A following the screening. Right. And, and I urge uh, my listeners to get out to uh, to see this film, see it in the theater, uh, the Arena Theater. It's right there in Hollywood. Um, it's a nice, great theater. And, and one of those theaters that are there are not enough of them where the entire staff and everyone associated with the theater is about the film. It's about making a, a wonderful experience for those people who, who are there to watch the, the movies. Um, also, just go out and see it, but it is also going to be available on a DVD and also on Video On Demand on uh, June 14th. So, And that's through um, Wolf Video, which is a distributor. Yeah, I think if they just go to wolfvideo.com, they will okay. pull up everything. Yes. Okay. Now, and it will be out on Netflix in July, okay. but I really, as a filmmaker, the experience you get from seeing a film Communally sitting together in a theater and uh, watching it with a group of people and then having a Q&A with a, with a filmmaker, there's nothing to beat that experience. I would really request you all to make that effort and come out. Well, I'm going to go a little further. I'm going to demand that they get out there to the, the <laughs> Arena Theater. I can do that. That's I have that power. So I'm going to say get to the Arena Theater in Hollywood to see uh, Margarita with a Straw this Friday. If you come Saturday. on Friday, there's free beer and wine. There you seven. go. See, we love that. <laughs> They're going to love that at the snack bar when, when uh, the, the owners... Anyway, so... Um, um, yes, so let's talk a little bit about the performances because mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like, uh, I mean, where do we start except with uh, Kalki Kuchlin? Am I? Kekla. Kekla. Kalki Kekla. I mean, you know, it's not like her spelling is weird, but yeah. it's K-O-E-C-H-L-I-N. So even I used to say Kuchlin. Okay. And then before the world premiered Toronto, uh, Cameron Bailey said, how do we say her name? And that's when it was revealed to us. It's Kekla. She. Uh, you know, trained both him and me. It's actually a French name, that's why. Okay. Now, so Kalki is playing the lead, Lila, and she is actually not disabled. And that is what blows people away. Like, even in film festivals that she's attended, and then when she walks on stage, nobody can, can believe that because it's even those who have CP and have watched the film, like, not even for a moment do you feel that she doesn't have CP. Well, I, I would echo that too. I kept looking for tells in her physicality in doing in in this uh, performance, and she's consistent and and I, throughout the film, it, everything about her physicality is is true to what you're describing as someone with cerebral palsy. I'm not an expert, but certainly from a from a film goer's perspective, mm -hmm. she's just mm -hmm. she's in addition to sort of that part of the the performance. Again, I said earlier, she's beguiling, she's interesting, she's uh, she's just a wonderful performance. I really want to underscore just how fantastic her, her performance is across the and board. And this is because of six months of work. Because what happened actually okay. is, you know, she has done four or five films before this. Mm -hmm. But if you watch those films, you'll get a shock. You, she's good. 
but she's not fantastic. And in fact, this is the first time she's got major awards. She got India's highest award called the National Award given by the president of the country. You know, after all these years of being in filmmaking, she's finally getting, you know, all these things. And that's because of the hard work. So I feel other directors didn't know what to do with her or tap into that innate talent that she has and commitment that she has. Um, so I saw in that audition that she could, she, in the audition I did with her, that she was giving me 10%, which was fine for me, I, 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 but I needed the commitment. So I said, well, uh, will you agree to work exclusively, you know, for three to six months, whatever we can manage, three to six months, not doing anything else, not even shooting a commercial for one day, not taking time off at all. And she said, absolutely. Because I said, this needs complete dedication and immersion. And she agreed to that. And that was, I would not have cast her if she hadn't said that. Um, so that was the reason uh, because I saw, you know, a glimmer. And then I was like, okay, with the work, we will be able to pull it off. And that work was very intense uh, work, body work that I did with her. And, you know, it's really only if you compare her with her other films, you'll understand. Because it's not just that she got the authenticity of the CP. It's the, what you refer to, luminous. She is luminous in it. I myself on, you know, set, I couldn't take my eyes off her. And that, I feel, came from this workshops that we did where she had to learn to just be, go deep within herself and be absolutely honest and authentic, you know, not play anything superficially or superfluously. And that is what has led to us really seeing into her soul, through her eyes. And I shot it also therefore very tight and close up because you just, you know, you see so much in her face and her eyes. Well, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. You shoot a lot of close-ups with her uh, and and it is in her eyes. It's so it, This is for me is oftentimes the, uh, the line between a, a, a very good performance and a great performance is an, a, the ability of, of an actor to project in their face and their facial expressions and in their eyes. And she certainly does that in this film. She's just remarkable. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about uh, the relationships she, she, she has uh, with... Uh, uh, Kanum. Kanum, thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, Kanum herself actually is also an able-bodied actor. And I just want to say that I actually really tried hard to find both a blind actor and um, a person with CP just because I would want that they get that opportunity. So unlike in Hollywood, which still has some disabled actors, India hasn't reached that place yet. So there's nobody in the entire film industry. But I had connections with all the institutions of education with both the blind, uh, visually impaired, as well as uh, cerebral palsy. And I spent five, six months looking hard. But I could not find um, people who could act, like even though I was willing that even if they don't know they can act, like I can pull the performance, but I really couldn't find of the right age. You know, they had to be that age, you know, everything. So um, so therefore, Kanum also is an able-bodied actor. And, and I think, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's managed to pull it off as well. And she, it's, um, She's played, she, it's, it's, so Yani uh, Gupta is the woman who plays her and she's, again, fantastic, so. And this is her debut film for Shayoni. This is Shayoni's debut. She's, I've launched her in this film. Uh, and actually after this, she just did her second film. was a huge film with India's superstar called Shah Rukh Khan. Mm -hmm. And I know that Bollywood films release in the Irvine area. And so she got to do a, a lovely role in that film called Fan, following Margarita with a Straw. So she got a lot of attention after Margarita with a Straw. Well, well-deserved. So well-deserved on that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, their relationship, you're, you're asking me. Um, is that you... you are, were you wanting to ask about their relationship? No, I well, I want to mm. let people kind of. I want them to mm. uh, get into the film, and I, 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 
I think they'll probably have some sense of it. It's, I'll leave that to your discretion, okay. but but I I like to let my listeners yes, sort of find too. out Great. find out more yeah. about the film mm-hmm. on their own. Uh, go see it for all the right reasons and and just immerse yourself in the experience and and go in without a lot of expectations or undue information. You should just watch mm. the film. The, I want to talk about what was the uh, the process of putting the script together. Just briefly, so like I had to... already written the script. I had written ten drafts uh, over uh, over a year. Mm-hmm. At the point in which um, it it won the Sundance Global Filmmaker Award, which is given to a filmmaker's first feature film and their second feature script. So I won it for my first feature film called Amu, and for this script. But by, you know, I had already worked on it by myself. But as a result of getting that award, you're also in the writers' lab, and That's um, so yeah, so so. So at that point, I was like, oh, well, I'll attend the lab. I had this thing that, okay, I'll attend the lab. But, you know, I'm done. I've got the award also. And, you know, I'm done with my script. I'm ready. And many producers in India loved it. And I I was, like, ready to get into pre-production when I was in the lab. And, um, you know, there was a comment made in the lab that um, one of the mentors said that you seem to be outside in your writing of this script compared to your first film. And it doesn't feel that you have really put yourself in it. And that's something I myself, when I teach people writing, is always, always put yourself out there, even if it's nothing to do with your life. Like, the more you can use your baggage and your stuff, your emotions, in all of your characters, even if they're totally different from you, even if it's a villain, it's somebody totally different, that's how, that's how much rich it'll be, especially when you're starting off as a writer. Mm. So I had failed to do that. And that rung so true to me because when they said that, I felt that, oh, my God, yes, because I felt I was writing about Malini, my cousin. And I was afraid to put myself in it because I was just doing it from the outside. And so after that, I really, it really struck me, that remark. And for 30 days, I went, you know, kind of into a cave of writing and I went deep and wrote. And that is where I made this big ship. So till that point, the 10 drafts, Khanum as a character who's, um, you know, she's out and out gay, she's Pakistani Bangladeshi, but, you know, she came out when she's 14, but she's just Lila's friend. They don't have a relationship. They don't fall in love. They don't have a relationship. She's just there because she's so inspirational as another disabled person who lives in New York City, who's so just, you know, it's like she's amazing. Uh, So that's all was her role. And when I went deep into this writing and I went deep into the characters, um, so Lila spoke to me as I was writing and she said, you know, they have a little moment of a flirtatious scene. And in the original script, Lila's like, no, I'm not gay. And as I'm writing, Lila's like, are you kidding me? I'm not going to say no to this hot, amazing girl. <laughs> I mean, she's a goddess. I'm, are you kidding? And she goes for it. And I was like, this is what you want as a writer. You just want your characters to speak to you. Yes, I've got them. I, my character spoke to me. <laughs> when I reflected, it's so autobiographical. I myself, when I was 19, I was in love with this woman. In fact, she'd come from Berkeley. We had this major love affair. And I didn't, like Lila, like I didn't know that I was bisexual, but I, I, I didn't question it. I just went with the relationship. So I was complete. I, I became my own 19-year-old self. Yes. You know, but when I was writing, I was like, <laughs> Lila is speaking to me. And so in inserting myself, I really feel the script changed enormously. So it's not that Sundance even thought about the sexuality, like it was straight relationship in the film at the point they read it. So they didn't tell me to do that. Like this is a big turn, but they inspired me by telling me go deep into the characters. And that's how it happened. And of course, when I did that, I lost 50% of my funding, which I had by this time, as I said, there had been many producers and 
At this point, they were like, "Are you kidding me? Disabled and gay? No!" <laughs> so I lost half the money. At that point. Well, I will say, in terms of the story and 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 the film, it it makes so much of what we see at the very end of the film, the journey that she's been on, seem that much more complete, that much more. I I. It elevates it. It elevates it even more so in terms of how she goes about finding herself, and and at the end of it, that that's that sense that I'll leave for the audience to find out what exactly I'm talking about. But it is. Uh, it just feels more fully realized, if you will, uh, by the mm. end of the film because mm. of because of what she's you know been through and this mm-hmm. sense of discovery. Uh, I you know th- I was trying to think of a tone of the film reminds me of in a way, and, and it's not necessarily the storyline or anything, it's just that it reminds me of Little Miss Sunshine Be- and, and in that sense that it's, uh, what I loved about that film and what I love about your film is that all the people in this film are very relatable and very likable mm-hmm. and they're, and everyone is essentially one, is doing the right thing. Everyone wants to do the right thing in, this, in your mm-hmm. film and it's such a satisfying experience to go to see a film like this for that for that reason and a lot of other reasons, but it just feels like it's a film that you can really embrace and and you want to love this film. And I mean, thank you so much for making that parallel. In fact, I was worried that people will say, "Oh, I copied the, the van." You know, they have the same. Oh, I wasn't even of... thinking. Oh, I wasn't even. That didn't <laughs> cross my mind. No. No, because yeah. I love that film too, and you know, maybe that wasn't. The, I just wanted the real. I wanted the. The vehicle to also have a character because her, it carries her wheelchair and the family must have really saved their money to invest in that and, you know, to, because they needed that kind of a vehicle. And uh, oh. and I, I love uh, why it's a great parallel is that's also a feel-good film. You know, they're quirky characters and things like that, but ultimately it's a feel-good film and the family's pulling together you yes. know, to make something happen. And, and it's a lovely parallel, and I, I thank you for that. Well, you're so welcome. I, I didn't even think that much. I really wasn't thinking about the van when I said it, but you're right. It, yeah. it does play a prominent well, a role in the film, certainly. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I, I Real quick, before, last thing, real quick. The reaction to the film uh, in India, how's, how's it gone for you? Yeah, well, uh, first, uh, I, just to very quickly say, to release a film in India, we have to uh, uh, be censored. So uh, there's a censor board, and they have the right to remove anything they want from your film. So it's not just a certification board, and it's something that we filmmakers have been fighting tooth and nail. We've not won that battle yet. So I was terrified that they were going to remove huge chunks. Everybody was terrified. You know, everybody who's seen the film in the film industry were, you know, were like, oh, my God, this film is going to be butchered. We had already played, we had our world premiere at Toronto, so we'd already done the festivals by the time we're going to get ready for our Indian release. So people had seen it from India and they were like, oh no, please don't touch a frame of the film. So the first round of the censor board did butcher it and they made huge cuts, including, you know, uh, at one point she she gives a middle finger. They even found that vulgar. They were like, no, she can't give a middle finger. You know, that just butchered it. And I was in the bathroom and I was just, crying because I was like, my film can't release in my own country. This is unbearable. And the the people came in, you know, it was a board of five people. There were three women. So all three women had come in and the head was a woman. And then they came in there and they said, you know, you must appeal it because our hands are tied. It's government regulations. As soon as there's sex and there's things like this. and But you should appeal it. There's an appeal process. So, and I, I you know, I didn't, I, maybe I would have found that out, but whatever. That encouraged me that they said that. So I appealed it. And the appeal 
board actually let it go and nobody could believe this in india so what you know it's what, what the international audience sees uh, that's what the indian audience sees which is groundbreaking in our country this is the first film with a gay love scene intact in it in our country first time ever you know which is run in theaters and so then we released we ran they opened we opened in 250 theaters in towns and cities across the country from north south east west everywhere and it ran for 6 weeks successfully a huge really a huge release really wonderful and there were many people wrote to me who are gay who said that we took our families to watch the film and came out to them after seeing the film oh my so that was so moving yeah but what i found is there were just regular people who i would say are homophobic or you know or like you know not disabled friendly who saw the film and it just grabbed their hearts and it made them overcome their own prejudices and myths either towards the disabled or towards gay people and that that is such a victory so i just was really thrilled with that Uh, Shanali, ironically, these people were just being who they were in your film, and that seemed to be that was enough for a lot of people just to just to see people in ways that that is not unusual or or out of yes. out of the ordinary. And uh, so, well, it's oh, I can understand why people would be so embracing of your film. I I'm just really thrilled uh, with it, and I'm thrilled that you were able. to find some time to come on the show here on Film School. Um the film again is Margarita with a Straw and the filmmaker is Shanali Bose. It's it's a terrific film. See it at the Arena Theater this Friday uh and Saturday and Sunday. Shanali will be there. You said the 7:40 show on on uh, Friday with Friday, the re- reception by free beer and wine at 7:00. I I oh that's right there. You're you're asking for <laughs> trouble right there. And then uh Saturday and Sunday you said 5:40 and Saturday for 4 p.m. Sunday 5:25. 5:25. So see it at the arena and uh and and see it it's running all week so see it all any time during the week uh but the free beer <laughs> free beer and wine on Friday. <laughs> Thank you so much Shanali for being on Film School. All the best on this film and please come back for your for whatever films you're working on uh, in the in the future. I really would love to talk to you some more. Thank you so much Mike. I'd love to. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host Mike Caspar. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.